Well, good morning, Coconut Creek. How are you doing this morning? <laughs> A couple of you guys are doing all right. Hey, my name's TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're glad that you're with us today. Um, we're getting ready for, for Easter. Anybody excited about Easter next weekend? A couple people? Yeah, some, some of us. Some of us are like really excited that Jesus died and rose again. And so like the rest of us, we're just... We're just cool to be in church where it's air conditioning, so it's cool. Um, no, no, I, I'm really excited about Easter next weekend. Don't forget, we have service time changes for Coconut Creek. Uh, you guys' times next week are at 9 and 11. So those of you guys that are typical South Florida people that arrive 15 minutes late to everything, who, who's the 15-minute late people? Come on, be honest. You know who you are. There's a, like, there's a lot more people that are 15 minutes late than that. Okay, we're not, we're not being completely honest. But, but next week, so if you arrive 15 minutes late, you're going to be like halfway through the service. So we got an awesome service. You're not going to want to be 15 minutes late. You're going to want to be on time. So 9 and 11, make sure you're inviting somebody, bringing somebody. We appreciate you guys moving, being flexible in moving times because we're adding services at our Pompano Beach campus and that's an awesome thing. It's, it's going great over there. I just came back from there. We had we have four people give their life to Christ over in the last service. So that's a that's always awesome. Hey, just know this, just like there's four people that give their lives to Christ, the invitation that you make to somebody else can change their life. Your invitation could be the moment that their life gets changed. So this is an important time. More people will come to church over Easter than any other time of the year. In fact, there was a study that was, I just saw this week. The, the people looking for church on Google compared to any other time of the year, including Christmas, is 30% greater than even at Christmas time. And that's, that's a typical time that people go to church. And so people are looking, people are wondering, like, what's this God, Easter, Jesus thing all about? We have the answer. Let's answer it for them. Let's help them out. Anyways, last week we began and, and we started talking about this idea that Jesus wants to make all of us into something. And when we think about the idea that Jesus wants to make us something, it's really easy to go to the, the ideals of like, man, you know, Jesus wants to make me more holy. I mean, that would make a lot of sense. Or Jesus wants me to be more disciplined. Or Jesus wants to make me rich. You know, I, I want Jesus to make me rich. You know, uh, like there's, there's different things that we have this idea of what Jesus wants to make us. But in the gospel, when he was calling the disciples, he actually says what he will make all of us. He says the goal for all of us as we follow him is for us to all become fishers of men. What he said is, is he's saying to follow Jesus is to fish for people. He says it's an important element. And if we're truly following in life, then we'll eventually be fishing. And if we're not fishing, then are we truly following? That's the question he's kind of putting out there for us. And so we, we think it's really, really important that as Christ followers, that we be fishers of men. Now, what's interesting to me is as I start thinking about this and I start thinking about the journey that God has had just Shayla and I on personally, and, and, and I can only talk from a personal perspective because it's, it's my life. I, I remember when we moved here in June of 2009, we, we knew no one. And that's always a scary venture when you move someplace where you know no one with just a dream in your heart uh, and, and just an idea within yourself. And I remember moving here and going, man, we're going to start a church. It's going to reach people. People are going to find and experience Jesus. And we started services on uh, September 13th of 2009. In fact, I, I see people out in the crowd. There's not a lot of them that were here that day, but there's, there's some of them that are sitting out there and, and just remembering how, how amazing that was. And then over the last six and a half years, I've just been absolutely humbled 
by all that God has done that we've been able to launch campuses and reach thousands of people and seen lots of life transformation. I mean, we've seen families restored. We've seen marriages that were broken being put back together. We've seen people that were in addictions uh, being set free. We've seen lives that were far from God all of a sudden coming to the reality of this relationship with Jesus. I mean, we just got to experience so many things. And that just, as, as somebody who's just following God and just saying, hey, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do, that is such a humbling experience because all, all I went with was, was God said, go, and I just went. And it, it reminds me of this scripture in Luke uh, chapter 12, and it's not in your outline, but it's just a scripture that, that I refer to a lot. It says, God will always give you all you need from day to day, if you'll make the kingdom of God your primary concern. And I saw, like, that's just one of those scriptures that I've just held on to. Like, man, if I just make God a priority in my life, if I make doing what he wants me to do a priority, like all the, the needs that I have, like all the things that I feel like are so important, those will be taken care of in life if, if I'll just make that my objective. And I just found that as I make God my objective, everything else in life kind of falls into place. And so, so today, what I want to do is I want to kind of just like have a family meeting. Any, anybody have one of those in their house where you just have a family meeting where your parents kind of sit everybody down and say, hey, we're having a family meeting. Maybe you grew up in a house that did that. Today is kind of like one of those family meetings for us. And so if you're a guest here with us, man, thank you so much for coming and being a part of the services. We're so glad that you're here. You're going to kind of get an inside look into the heart of, of what is really the heartbeat of our church and what we're passionate about. Uh, for those of you that are regular attenders, for those of you that are owners here at Coastal, uh, this is really just getting back to the basics for us, like what it, it is all about. And, and so let me just talk, and we're going to talk about 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 12. And, and, and it says this, Finally, all of you should be of one mind. So it's saying, hey, listen, guys, we got to have some unity. We've got to be in one accord. we gotta, we got to all be together on something. He says, sympathize with each other. Love each other as brothers and sisters. So in essence, what he's saying is he's saying, hey, listen, you, this needs to be family. This is a family talk. He says, be tenderhearted and keep a humble attitude. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do, and he will grant you his blessing. For the scripture says, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days. Anybody out there want to enjoy life and see many happy days? The majority of us, right? That's, that's kind of the goal and objective of life. Like, I want to enjoy it, and I want it to be happy. Like, none of us are like, man, I want my life to suck, and I want it to be terrible every day. Nobody's, like, making that prayer to God. And if you are, we'll pray for you afterwards, okay? Uh, it says, see many happy days. Keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do what is right. And his ears are open to their prayers. So in this scripture, we see, we see a couple things that, man, God is really, really uh, wants us to be focused on. And he wants us to be focused on doing good and, and helping other people, treating other people like family. In f fact, he says, when you do that, 
His blessing will be upon your life. And if you're taking notes, you can circle that word blessing because that word blessing literally means, it means a cause to prosper beyond your comprehension. It means to be beyond your dreams. And what he's saying here, what Paul is saying to us is when we make a conscious decision to live for other people, to serve other people. What God wants to do is he wants to pour out his blessing on our lives. When we really want to experience this blessed life, when we want to experience a life that is fulfilling and joyful every day, that joyful, fulfilling life comes out of serving and living for other people. And he says, and, and the, the way that you make that a reality in your life is you treat people like they're family. Now, we all have family. Like, you're here because you have family. There's somebody that made you, so you have family, okay? Like, we won't go into the essence of that because there's children in here, so that's for another series. Uh, but we're all family, which means, like, in family, there's times where there's some, there's some tension. Anybody have some tension in their family? Yeah, a couple of, some of you, some of y'all are liars. You're like, no, I've never had tension in my family, uh, you know, anybody have like a weird, crazy uncle that you're like, where the heck did that dude come from? He shows up at every holiday meal and you're like, dude, what's up with him? Like somebody needs to stop inviting him. But you keep inviting him. Why? Because he's family. He does crazy things and you go, oh, that's just crazy Uncle Eddie. And you let it slide because that's just Eddie. Because he's family. And if you don't know who crazy Uncle Eddie is in your family, you're probably crazy Uncle Eddie. Okay. <laughs> But you deal with them, and you still invite them, and you care for them. Why? Because they're family. And he, what, Jesus, what Paul is saying here is he's saying, listen, that's exactly how the church should be. We should invite people in, and even though they might be crazy, they might be a little weird, they might not have it all together, like we just accept them because we're family. And we're going to serve, and we're going to love them anyways. And I know for Shayla and I, as, as we've chosen to do that in our lives. God, we're just going to follow you and we're going to choose to serve you no matter what the cost of what that is. Whether that's, uh, you know, almost seven years ago going, God, you're calling us to move to South Florida. We don't know anybody in South Florida. We're going to leave all of our family. We're going to leave all of our careers that we've built up to this point. We're going to leave our best friends and our community that we've built so long that we've taken so much time to build. And we're going to leave all that and we're going to follow you because you've called us to serve other people. And all we left with was a promise that, man, if we serve other people, that God would bless our life. And I'll tell you what, our church is a hundredfold of relationships and different things that we never had that we only experienced because we chose to make a decision to follow God and to serve others. And so today what I really want to talk about is as a family, how do we choose to be fishers of men? What does that look like practically for our everyday lives for each and every one of us. And it really comes down to three simple things. Everybody say three simple things. Perfect. The first one is this, is we have got to see people through the eyes of potential. We've got to look at people and not see them where they are, but we've got to see them through the eyes of potential. Because we've all seen people with potential and a lot of us look at people that when potential is evident, what we do is we go, man, if I had that kind of potential, man, if I had that opportunity, man, if I was gifted in that way, then this would happen. 
And it's really easy for us when potential is really evident to go, oh man, what I would do with that. Like it's obvious. But a lot of times people with potential, it's not obvious to them. Like they don't realize and recognize what's going on in their life. In fact, they need people to point it out to them. In fact, there was a kid at, at my senior year of high school. I went to a Bradenton Southeast High School. And uh, we, we had an unbelievable football program. And our starting defensive end, his name was Willie Sams. Willie Sams happened to be uh, our senior year. He was the number one rated high school defensive football player in the entire country. Uh, and and if, you're, if you're big into college football and stuff, like every college coach was showing up at our practices. They were showing up at our games because everybody wanted to see Willie Sams play. And Willie Sams was a freak of nature. He was six foot six, weighed over 300 pounds. He ran a 4'8", 40-yard dash. He, he was like a Mack truck on steroids. Like, he, he was the most talented kid I've ever seen play football. And I, I, I mean, I, I played football with Peter Warwick. I played football with, with guys that ended up in the NFL. And, and Willie, by far, was way more dominant than all of them. Willie had scholarship offers to pretty much any, any college in the entire country. And at the end of our senior year, because Willie didn't really have any people that were speaking to his potential, while everybody could see that he was gifted, nobody was speaking to it, Willie ended up on 14th Street in Bradenton slinging crack rock just like his parents were. Had all the potential in the world, but nobody was going to Willie. Everybody recognized it, but nobody was going to him and telling him about his potential. And I think the reason that so many people are going through life and wasting away lots of opportunity is because they don't have anybody that's there that's believing them and encouraging them and building them up to be all that they can be for Jesus. And they're missing out on some incredible opportunities. That's why Paul urges us, man, to lead a life worthy of our calling. Because we've been called by God. He's saying, listen, man, your life is meant to be lived on purpose. You're not meant to just wander around and just exist out there. But there's so much more for your life. God made you to be something special. Make your life count. That's why today one of the fastest growing job professions that's out there in the United States right now is this idea of life coaching. It's going around and, and people are paying people to look at them and go, hey, you've got potential and, and to encourage them and to build them up and to say, here's your next step. You got this. Go do it. And the reason people are flocking to life coaches is because they just need somebody that will see beyond where they are right now. You know what people need? They need somebody to look at them and see beyond where they are right now. The reason we don't is because at some point something happened to us, somebody hurt us, somebody said something, and all of a sudden all that hope for that future got destroyed in a moment. Because those negative words and those negative influences, all of a sudden that calling that we had received, that gift that we had received, all of a sudden gets lost in the mess of that. It reminds me, one of my, my mentors 
who, who had a huge influence in my life is a guy named Billy Hornsby. Billy went to be with the Lord about uh, four years ago. And Billy, Billy was huge for me. I, I was working at a church, and Billy was a good old boy from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Uh, good old Cajun guy. And, and Billy saw the best in people. I remember being in a service, and, and Billy walked up to me afterwards. I was emceeing the service, and he said, man, boy, you got something awesome inside of you. And, I, and he's like, man, I can't wait to help develop that. And I was like, what are you talking about, dude? I've never met you before in my life. But like something about the fact that he just believed in me started stirring something up. And Billy would tell this story if he was here today. But when he was a freshman in high school in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, he was in a class where a teacher told him he was stupid and that he would never amount to anything. And, and one negative conversation kind of threw Billy for a spin. And so for the next four years of high school, he never tried in class because he thought he was stupid and he would never amount to anything. And so for the next four years, he never tried. He never applied himself. He ended up graduating high school. He ended up trying to get jobs around town. By the time he was 22, he was on his last-ditch effort to find a job in Baton Rouge, which pretty much is run by Exxon uh, Corporation. And so Exxon had an aptitude test that you had to pass in order to get a job there. And being the fact that Billy was told that he was stupid and he would never amount to anything, when he heard that he had to take an aptitude test, he's like, man, I'm going to fail this. But he needed a job so bad that he was willing to do whatever it took. And so he went in and he took this aptitude test that Exxon gave all of their employees all throughout the entire world. And after he had taken the test, he actually got called back in and he thought to himself, man, they're calling me in because I failed this test so bad, they're just going to make fun of me. They're going to tell me I, I can only be a janitor or take out the trash or, or do, like, I'm good for nothing, really. He said, I walked into a meeting with one of the, the, the vice president slash CEOs. I don't know exactly which one it was. And, and he sat down and he said, that gentleman looked at me and said, Billy, do you realize that you have scored the highest score that we have ever seen in our entire company history on this aptitude test? I want you to know something, Mr. Hornsby. Whatever you apply your life to, you're going to be successful. And that day, somebody spoke to the potential that was in his life, and the curse that he was stupid and he would never amount to anything was broken that day. See, there, there's something that we, we got to get out of this because what we fail to realize for the majority of us is that we'll never rise above it, the image that we have of ourselves. And a lot of us, we have this negative self-image, and so therefore we're, we keep capping ourselves in life of this is what my limitations are because this is what I put on myself, and we keep banging our head up against it over and over and over and over again. And we need somebody else to come in and give us a new image of who we really are because we can only see what we see, but somebody else can see our potential, and they can start to speak to that potential and change the game for us. And some of us need to realize that, man, if we're going to make an impact in other people's lives, we got to start seeing them through the eyes of potential. And we all need people like that in our lives. We need people that see us through the eyes of potential, and we need to be that for other people. We need to be the greatest people out there speaking potential into others so that they can see the image of God that God has for them. In fact, First Peter says, God has given each of you some special abilities. 
Do you realize that? You've been given some special abilities. You might not know what those things are yet, but you have some special abilities within you. He says, be sure to use them to help each other, passing on to others God's many kinds of blessings. And what he's saying is he's saying, listen, as an individual, you need to be about building other people. As a church, what we are all about is we are all about building people, using what God has blessed us with to build God's kingdom, to build people up to the potential that he has within them so they can rise above the noise, they can rise above all the conflict that they're going through and see the great things that God has for them. Because God's got some special abilities. They just haven't recognized it yet. It reminds me of this theory called the Rosenthal Effect. And basically the Rosenthal Effect says this. It's a, it's a study that's been done. It says that if you believe that someone is capable of achieving greatness, then that person will indeed achieve greatness. What they say is simply believing in potential will create great things in people. And they've gone on and they've done studies. And one of the studies that they did was with groups of elementary age school children. They, they would take different classrooms. All the kids are of the same aptitude. They would separate them out, and they would put one group, and they would say, hey, these are normal students, and they would tell the teacher that these students are normal. They're just they're average, everyday kids. Then they'd take another group that's average, everyday kids, and they would go to a teacher, and they would say, listen, these are gifted students. You need to teach these students like they're gifted because they've got so much more capacity, so much more ability. And what they found is that the teachers who believed that they were teaching gifted students, that students rose to gifted levels. So what does that mean? That means that by simply believing in other people, you can help them rise to a level that they've never been. You can actually be... The wind beneath their wings, if you want to go there. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> In essence, what it's saying is you get out of people what you expect. And if you start expecting great things out of people, you start encouraging people, you start building them up. Listen, people would never experience that kind of environment. Because they're not getting that out there in the real world. They're getting a bunch of haterade. Come on, you've been sipping on it too. You know what it's like. It's bitter. It's nasty. You start, you start giving them some encouragement, some positive reinforcement, telling them, man, you can achieve great things. Listen, God has given you some special abilities, and we're going to figure those things out together. But I know that you, some, something amazing is going to happen in your life. You're going to see them rise in life. And if we're going to be fishers of men, then we have got to see people through the eyes of potential. Number two, what we have to do is we have to serve others unselfishly. We have got to serve others unselfishly. I love how the message puts this in, in Romans chapter 15. It says, each one of us needs to look after the good of the people around us, asking ourselves, how can I help? He says, listen, you need to be caring about what around you, the people around you. Asking the question, how can I help? Like, how can I make a difference? What he's in essence saying, Paul right there, is he's saying, listen, it's got to always be about others. If you want to have the ultimate life, if you want to have the most uh, profound life, it's got to be about other people. In fact, one of the, one of the greatest uh, humanitarian people that ever lived was a guy named General William Booth. He was the founder of the Salvation Army. 
uh, they have done some absolutely incredible, incredible work all throughout the world. When The only reason he started the Salvation Army is because when he was a young kid, his dad died. And he was hurting, and he's broken, and he was destitute. And somebody came along and started encouraging him and telling him he could make a difference. And out of somebody encouraging him to make a difference, believing, seeing him through the eyes of potential, he started the Salvation Army. And the Salvation Army in the early 1900s had grown worldwide and was making a huge impact on the world. And knowing the scope and magnitude of what the organization was coming to, uh, General Booth knew that he needed to gather the troops together. He needed to gather everybody together and cast the vision for what the next hundred years would be about. He knew that if we didn't, they didn't know where they were going, they would never end up anywhere. And he said, you know what, if we're going to figure this out, like I want to bring everybody together and I want to cast the vision to them. And so they held a huge meeting in Europe and they brought everybody in throughout the world. And right before General Booth was getting ready to leave, he, he fell extremely, extremely ill. And so being the keynote speaker, they were kind of freaking out. And he's like, listen, I'm going to send a telegram of my keynote address for somebody to read at the, the convention for all the Salvation Army officers. And so the day of the convention arrived, thousands of people file into this assembly hall in, in, in somewhere in England, and it's General Booth's turn, and an orator walks up with a telegram that he had sent in, opens up the envelope, and there's one word on the envelope from the telegram, and the word is others. See, the whole vision of the Salvation Army is that it's always about serving others. One word. That's why today Salvation Army is one of the largest providers of humanitarian aid all across the world. Why? Because they're all about others. Their one mission, vision, action in life is summed up in one word, others. What's your word for your life? Is it self or is it others? How is your life defined that's why Ephesians tells us it is God himself who has made us what we are. God has made us what we are. And he says, and he has given us new lives from Jesus Christ. And long ages ago, he planned that we should spend these lives helping others. So he said, listen, the intention of your life, the, the thing that you should be giving your life to is spending it for other people. And so the question for all of us it should be like, how am I spending my life? Am I spending my life on myself? Or am I spending my life serving others? Because when you spend your life serving and helping other people, the impact of your life will live so much longer than if you just serve yourself. See, serving yourself lasts your generation. But serving others goes on from generation to generation. We need to realize that it's all about serving others. And loving others. That's why John tells us, let's not just merely love each other, but let's show it with our actions. Show it by our actions, by what we do. That's why I, 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 love, I love Josh. Josh is the worship leader here at this campus. He's the guy that was right here with the guitar. And Josh has got an incredible heart. And... Uh, He's, he's always looking for ways to serve other people. I don't, he's, he's just, he, he gets this. He's like one of those people that just gets this. And this week he was, he was talking with a, a, a single mom in our church and, and he, 
she was giving him some moving boxes. And so he was asking some questions about when she had moved and come to find out that she hadn't moved yet. And he was like, well, well, how are you moving? And, uh, and she's like, well, I've got movers coming. And he's like, no, you don't. He's like, you got us coming. She's like, what are you talking about? He's like, I, we'll come move you. Like, you don't need to do that. You're, you're a single mom in our church. Like, like you, you have needs, and like, if we don't know, we can't help. But now that we know, we'll help. And he started calling people. He started going, hey, I, we, I need some people to go help this single mom. Why? Because love isn't just in words. It's in actions. And he realized that the essence of life isn't to serve himself but to serve others. And so while, while he wasn't even able to be there because of prior obligations, he's like, man, I'm going to make sure that this person is taken care of. Started calling up people. People went over there started moving this lady. We wanted to do more than what she would even allow us to do. Why? Because it's not just about words. It's about actions. And if you want to know the secret to having a fulfilled life, anybody want to know the secret to having a fulfilled life? Like, here it is. It's, it's really simple. It's found in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 25. It says, the generous will prosper. It says, those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. You want to be full in your life? You want your life to be full? You start helping other people. Start refreshing some other people. And what's going to happen is as you pour your life out, God's going to pour back into you. See, but the problem is, is a lot of us, we're like, man, I don't feel very refreshed. Well, when's the last time you poured yourself out? See, your water's just gotten stale. You let water sit, it gets stagnant, it gets nasty. Some crazy stuff grows in there. That's why we got to be dumping ourselves out continuously so God can fill us back up. But the only way we can get dumped out is if we do it for others. Otherwise, it's just self-serving. It says, man, refresh others and you, yourself, will be refreshed. You want to know the greatest way you can refresh somebody is by introducing them to Jesus. The greatest refreshment that anybody can experience, the greatest transformation that anybody can experience is having an encounter with Jesus. But every transformation with Jesus starts with an invitation. And what do you know? It's Easter next week. It's a great opportunity for you to invite them. It's a great opportunity for you to give them an invitation to experience Jesus. And if you'll start seeing them through the eyes of potential and you'll start to go and you'll start to serve others unselfishly. And thirdly, if you'll speak words of life, you'll see God do some crazy, crazy things. And I think this third one is so, so critical today. Because it doesn't take very long to be just engaged in social media or television, or, you know, radio to have uh, life sucked from you. I mean, go on Facebook for 10 minutes, and do you not feel like your life just got sucked from you? I mean, Facebook might be the most life-sucking thing out there right now. It's like a leech that just keeps on sucking. Why? What's on there? It's a whole bunch of negativity. Watch CNN for an hour, man. It's the most depressing thing on TV. You know, listen to some talk radio, some 7.40 a.m. Like, you'll be depressed. Why? Because there's a lot of things out there that are life-sucking. There are words that are sucking life out of us. And the thing that we need to be is we need to be life-giving. We need to be looking at what's coming out of us and saying, man, is this, is this promoting life in people? In fact, in Ephesians 4.29, this is what Paul writes. He says, when you talk, don't say harmful things. 
In essence, what he's saying is he's saying, like, listen, don't be critical, don't be judgmental, don't be uh, negative. Well, TJ, but I just see everything as a glass is half full. Well, TJ, I'm just the devil's advocate. Listen, the devil doesn't need any more advocates. He's got a world entire full of them. Like, Jesus needs some freaking advocates, some people that are positive, some people that are life-giving. He says, but say what people need, words that will help others become stronger. He, he doesn't say, tell them what you think, because most of the time, they don't need that. He says, give them what they need so they can be stronger. Then what you say will do good to those who listen. Man, I think as Christ followers, we should be the most encouraging people on the face of this earth. Like when people are struggling, they should come to us to find hope. Because they know if they come and share a struggle, we're going to bring encouragement. We're going to bring life. We're going we're to bring hope. We're not going to talk about them behind their back. Like when somebody gets a promotion at work, we should be the first person over there high-fiving them. Somebody gets the job that we wanted, we should be celebrating with them. Why? Because, man, we're going to bring life to every situation. I think we got to be positive encouragers everywhere we go because I don't know a single person out there that doesn't need some affirmation in their life. I know I need affirmation. I've yet to meet a person that's like, man, you know what? Like, I'm good. Like, I'm awesome at everything. I don't need you to tell me I'm good or that I'm doing well. So we got to be a place that speaks words of life. And as a church, as a community, man, I hope that we're not just a place that's known for having good music or some cool lights or a really good-looking bald pastor. Listen, if you want to encourage me, I'll encourage myself in the Lord, okay? Like, I'll just, I'll just preach to me. While we might not always get it right, I hope that we're always known as a, man, that's just a place that just loves people. That church, like, you can walk in there jacked up, messed up, you can have all kinds of issues. They're just going to love you. It might be a little awkward at times, but it's, it's still cool. As a pastor, man, I don't want to be known for doctrine. While doctrine is important, I don't want to be known for religion. We definitely don't need much more of that. I just want to be known as a place that just loves people unconditionally. It says, come as you are, all of your broken pieces. And in the midst of your brokenness, we'll see the potential in you. In, and we'll serve you unselfishly. And we'll speak words of life to you. Because Jesus really summed up what it, life is all about. He said, when he's asked, what's the most important thing? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So the first commandment and the second is just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. In essence, what Jesus said is he said, it's all about loving God, loving people, and showing it. It's the essence of life. And if you don't figure that out, 
then you'll just end up wasting your life. You'll end up wasting it on things that are meaningless. In fact, Winston Churchill said, you make a living by what you get. You make a life by what you give. How you serve. And one day in life, you're going to figure out what matters most in life. And it's not the accomplishments, but it's the relationships. Because there's a lot of great accomplishments out there, but they aren't the things that last. Because very few of you could probably tell me the last five Super Bowl MVPs. Very few of you could tell me the last 10 presidents. Very few of you could name me the top five CEOs in corporate America right now. Those people have accomplished great things. But none of those things make a lasting impact. But I'll tell you this, if I asked you who are the top five people that made an impact in your life, you could spout them off like that. Why? Because relationships matter most. And it's a thing that lives beyond just an accomplishment. So church, I just want to encourage us, man, as, as we're moving forward as a church, as we're loving God and loving people and showing it, that we've got to remember to always see people through the eyes of potential. This week as you're going about your life, man, look for people through the eyes of potential. Don't look at them at their current situation. Look at what they could and should be. And ask yourself, how can I help? How can I serve them unselfishly? And what words of life do I need to speak where maybe life has been sucked out? And watch God use you as you follow Him to help make you become a fisher of men. Let's pray. Father God, I just come before you and I thank you. God, that you were a fisher of men before you ever even called us to be fishers of men. That you looked down from heaven and you saw a group of people that were lost and wandering and broken and hurting. And while you saw all of that, at the same point, you saw the potential within each and every one of us. And you created each and every one of us with a purpose and with a plan. And if we're still alive and we're still breathing, you've got something for us. But you didn't just see potential. You started, you did something uncommon. And that was the fact that you served us unselfishly by sending your one and only son to die on a cross so that we could experience life and have it more abundantly. And next weekend, we, we celebrate the, the life and the resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ. But maybe there's some people here today that they've never experienced the resurrection of Christ in their own life. They, they, they've never experienced some dead things coming back to life. And maybe today is the day they need to experience that. And today is the day that God wants to say, listen, I know that things haven't gone exactly your way, that you might think that there's some dead things and there's some lost hope, but there is hope and there is more for your life. And I've got something greater and I'm stronger and I'm bigger than your situation or circumstance. All you got to do is find me. And so today, God, maybe there's some people out there that need to find you. They need to experience new life with you that comes from only knowing your son, Jesus Christ.
And so maybe that's you out there today. And if that's you with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you just slip your hand up today, I'd love to pray for you. I'd love to give you an opportunity to experience Christ. Yeah, I see that hand. Yes, I see that hand. Thank you. Anybody else? This is an important moment, man. People are about to give their life to Jesus. You can put your hands down. If you just say this prayer in your heart as I say it out loud, God, I just come before you. And I thank you that you see something more in me than I see in myself. And that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for me. To give me new life. To take care of my sin and my shame and my failures. Today I accept your love. I accept your grace. Jesus, come into my heart. Take over. Be in charge. God, thank you for what you've done in those people's lives. God, and I pray that this week that we would be fishers of men and women, seeing people through the eyes of potential so they can have an encounter with your son, Jesus. It's in Jesus' name that I pray.